0: Welcome to this edition of the Thoracic Surgery Resident Association's podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for teaching purposes only and should not be applied directly to patient care. Hello, I am Simran Randhawa, cardiothoracic surgery fellow at Washington University in St. Louis. And today we have here with us Dr. Pooja Kachru who will help us understand more about cardiac myxomas and tumors. Dr. Katru is an assistant professor of cardiac surgery at Washington University. I would like to start by asking Dr. Kachru to tell us all a little bit about her journey in the field of cardiac surgery. Uh, thank you, Simran, for having me today on your
1: podcast. Um, uh, so my initial interest in cardiac thoracic surgery started Um, when I did both my bachelor's and master's in biomedical engineering. uh, And then I went on to uh, pursue my general surgery residency with a focus on thoracic oncology, where I worked in a research lab for a couple of years. I initially came to Washington University to pursue thoracic surgery, but I found um, my calling doing heart surgery in the last half of my fellowship year. And um, I'm particularly interested in aortic surgery uh, but today I want to actually discuss some of the cases that I encountered uh, in my first couple years here at Washington University.
0: Alright, thank you so much, and now let us dive into the topic for today, cardiac tumors. Uh, in, in today's podcast, we will talk about uh, the tumors, uh, cardiac tumors, their clinical presentations, workup, surgical approaches, and postoperative, de- uh, post-operative care. So let's get started. Um, Our first case is that of a 24-year-old male undergoing treatment for metastatic testicular choriocarcinoma, who presents to the cardio-oncology clinic with a two-week history of nausea and vomiting and orthostasis. He says he has been getting his regular chemotherapy without missing any treatment. His labs are significant for a hemoglobin of 11.7, normal electrolytes, LDH of 489 and HCG 9.5 that show a good response to chemotherapy. A CT of his chest, abdomen, and pelvis was performed that showed a 3.5 by 4.1 centimeter right atrial mass without any new evidence of metastatic disease. A transthoracic echo was then done which confirmed this 3.6 by 2.5 centimeter rounded mass, which was concerning for potential tumor. So Dr. kachru knowing all this, how would you proceed with this patient's care?
1: Uh, well, this is actually a difficult case because um, I initially met this patient uh, in the hospital setting where he was actually tachycardic and uh, orthostatic, as you had mentioned. Um, and he had normal tumor markers and he was receiving chemotherapy. So um, I felt best it would be, uh, I'm sorry, uh, that it would be best to
0: proceed with cardiac MRI. And uh, just for our listeners, why is cardiac MRI a better imaging modality for cardiac tumors? Uh, well, you get a lot of information from both the CT
1: scan and the transthoracic echocardiogram in this case. Um, but as we know with cardiac MRIs, they have a very robust tissue characterization and a high contrast resolution. And they're relatively accurate, uh, though not accurate without the pathology, but greater than about 80% accuracy to di- diagnose something benign versus malignant. Um, in this case, uh, you know, this could be a potential tumor, but it also could be thrombus in the setting of. Uh, Hypercoagulable, hypercoagulability due to cancer.
0: Okay, so um, we do get a cardiac MRI and the MRI shows a 4.5 by 4 centimeter mass that is extending into the right atrial appendage with enhancement features consistent with a thrombus. So now how should we uh, go about treating this right atrial thrombus? So it's a pretty
1: large uh, mass within the right atrium. And like I said, that this is mostly gonna be dictated by clinical symptoms. Um, so one, we could just um, anticoagulate the patient and observe him. Uh, two, we could have offer, also offered him open surgery, um, which required a sternotomy in the setting of recent chemotherapy, as well as open thrombectomy. Um, and a final solution that I think um, would have been feasible here would also be um, a uh, endovascular thrombectomy.
0: okay, so um I believe uh, uh, that this this is quite an unusual case um, and something that you know, we never see often but that, and that is why we wanted to de- bring this up. Uh, however, some of the major take home points for this case. Uh, include that catheter-associated cardiac thrombi are not uncommon, especially in in our patients who now have prolonged indwelling catheters, it's becoming more and more common. um, And distinguishing thrombi from tumors is very important since treatment options vary. uh, And management usually involves removing uh, the indwelling catheters followed by anticoagulation and endovascular thrombus management. So, Simran,
1: as you said, in our patient um, uh, who has been recently receiving chemotherapy, he did have an indwelling uh, portacath in place, which was subsequently removed. He was started on anticoagulation with uh, IV heparin, but actually since this tumor was so large, um, and causing him symptoms, we actually offered him an endovascular thrombectomy by our vascular surgery colleagues, which he responded fantastically to and that removed all of this uh, mass that even extended into the right atrial appendage and saved him a uh, sternotomy and um, further delay from chemotherapy.
0: Okay, moving on to the next case. Uh, so this is a case of a 56-year-old female who was admitted to, from an outside hospital a week prior after her husband found her unresponsive in bed. She was taken to the outside hospital intubated. Um, an extensive workup was performed, which included a CT head and brain MRI that demonstrated multifocal strokes, uh, as well as a transthoracic echo that showed a two by three centimeter oval mass on the left atrial septum. She was then transferred to our hospital for further care. Uh, On transfer, she was intubated, sedated, but she was following commands. Um, She had normal vitals, uh, normal heart rate and rhythm, and no murmurs on auscultation. Uh, Her chest x-ray showed findings of uh, pulmonary vascular congestion, and her EKG showed left axis deviation. Um, We then obtained a transesophageal echo uh, which depicted a 2.2 by 3 centimeter oval mass arising from the left atrial septum, which is uh, highly suspicious for atrial myxoma. So Now uh, with this imaging and her diagnosis, how would you proceed? Would, would, should we get any other, uh, any other diagnostic modalities for her? I don't believe any additional imaging, uh, either a CT or
1: MRI is needed in her case for a left-sided tumor. Um, there might be some exception in the, side of her, in the setting of a right-sided mass that has some cable extension where you might um, assume that there may be some potential abdominal source. Uh, so I think you have
0: enough information to, to proceed with her treatment. Okay, um, uh, that sounds good. So uh, uh, how, what would her treatment be? I think you have enough here to, um, uh,
1: to proceed with uh, surgery, obviously, if she's uh, cleared
0: from a neurological perspective. Um, I think that's that's something that that's an important point to stress uh, is how should we decide the timing of her surgery based on uh, the history that is provided her stroke history
1: So I think it's really important to discuss with our uh, neurology colleagues in reviewing the CT scan as well as the brain MRI to look at um, the extent of her strokes and uh, the burden of um, the burden of stroke and really how much, um, uh, may be susceptible to hemorrhagic conversion. Um, in this case, uh, it looked like there were small multifocal strokes, so I think it would be safe to proceed with surgery.
0: Okay, um, um, so uh, next thing I think that it, it we uh, all as fellows kind of it, it is important for us to know are the basic operative steps for, a, for excision of a myxoma.
1: Interestingly, I had this on my oral board exam, so <laughs> since I passed, I'll tell you that I did not answer like, the standard method. It's like um, a
0: reverse oral
1: board situation <laughs> right now. Uh, so uh, you always want to talk about the... Arter- this has to be done on cardiopulmonary bypass, so we need an arterial cannula, uh, cannula site um, that can be placed into the ascending aorta. Um, the venous cannula strategy, I think, would be best um, for bicaval cannulation, uh, one, um, In the setting that if it is a large uh, mass that cannot be taken out just through the left atrium and has to have intervention on the septum and for complete resection strategies. So it's really important to have the ability to, um, uh, to have that flexibility for cannulation for the venous cannula. Um, you also want to be careful to manipulate the heart um, before initiating cardiopulmonary bypass because these are very friable tumors and they have a, um, a great tendency to embolize. Um, and so, after cross clamping and, and opening up the left atrium um, and removing the mass, you want to ensure a complete uh, resection with negative margins. And that may also involve um, one or two strategies either resecting completely the uh, septum and patching the septum, or in some cases, um, uh, performing a complete resection and then even performing a cryoablation uh, at the base.
0: Okay, how about um, right-sided atrial myxomas? What special concerns should we have when we encounter a right atrial myxoma? I think similar to the left atrial side, um, here you
1: want to ensure that you have complete resection. So like I said, bi-cable cannulation is important um, uh, depending on the extension into either the uh, the ventricular, uh, the ventricle or into the uh, cava. Um, but myxomas rarely extend deep into the endocardium. So it's not necessary to resect uh, into the conduction tissue. And But it's also important in these Tumors to inspect um, all areas, uh, all chambers of the heart. And what if we see a ventricular myxoma? So, those are uh, obviously less common, um, and that would really depend on the location of the myxoma. If it was near the AV valve, then it would be easier to uh, expose and resect um, by detaching one of the leaflets of the valve. less ideal would be to perform a full thickness resection through the
0: ventricular wall. All right, now uh, the patient uh, is asking about her prognosis. I think the prognosis really depends
1: on the preoperative status of the patient and operative mortality has been quoted up to about 5 percent. But most uh, importantly, the recurrence um, of sporadic myxomas is about 1-4 to percent. Um, And the recurrence rate is highest with familial myxomas up to a rate of 22%. Um, While there's no standardized surveillance after myxoma resection, it's important um, to perform long-term echocardiographic surveillance in these patients, especially those with familial tumors.
0: So that was a great discussion on myxomas, and some of the takeaway points uh, for myxomas are that it is the most common cardiac tumor. Uh, The usual demographic is a female in her third to fourth decade of life. Um, 75% of uh, cardiac myxomas are found in the left atrium and only 10 to 20% are seen in the right atrium. And as Dr. Katru mentioned, ventricular myxomas are extremely rare. Uh, Atrial myxomas generally arise from the interatrial septum, usually uh, at the border of the fossa ovalis. Uh, And right atrial myxomas are more likely uh, to have broad-based attachments, more broad-based attachments than left atrial myxomas. They're more likely to be calcified. And uh, lastly, I think it's important to mention that ventricular myxomas are more likely to be multicentric. So in case uh, we do encounter a ventricular myxoma, we have to have a high suspicion um, for, a, uh, for tumors in the other uh, cardiac chamber. So we have to inspect all uh, other, the rest of the cardiac uh, chambers. Um, and finally, treatment is always complete resection of the tumor. So Our next case is that of a 76-year-old male who has a, uh, a history of severe three-vessel disease on a recent left heart cath um, with an echo finding of uh, left ventricular ejection fraction of 44 percent with some mild MR and TR. Um, he's otherwise healthy and functional and uh, is here with a, uh, with, uh, for a preoperative four-vessel cabbage. Um, intraoperatively, a TE is done, and it shows a 1.6 centimeter right atrial mass, which is attached to the posterior tricuspid valve leaflet. Uh, this mass appears to be round and mobile. Um, and how would this change your management intraoperatively while you are uh, ready to do a cabbage? Well,
1: I thought this was an interesting case um, because this is in the setting of somebody without a permanent pacemaker or any central lines within the right atrium, I would have normally suspected a thrombus, but since it was associated with the valve, I thought this might be a fibrolastoma. And uh, you mentioned that it was uh, 1.6 centimeters and highly mobile. Um, so
0: I would actually uh, resect this mass. So uh, how, uh, what would you do with the valve once the mass is resected? And what are some of the key things that we need to know when we encounter a, uh, something like a, a papillary fibroelastoma?
1: Well, they're uh, the most second most common primary cardiac tumor. Um, mostly they're located at the aortic valve, um, uh, but we also find them at the mitral valve. Right-sided fibroelastomas are very uncommon. Obviously in this setting, we are already there for a cabbage, so it would be easy to take out by opening the right atrium on bypass Um, uh, generally weak size uh, surgical uh, fibrolastomas Um, asymptomatic ones are reserved if their tumor is left-sided mobile and if the size is greater than a centimeter
0: All right, so uh, this was a little bit on papillary fibroelastoma. Some of the take-home points are that um, although uh, uh, some recommend surgery for all the patients because of the risk of embolization and associated morbidity, uh, careful observation can be an acceptable form uh, of treatment for asymptomatic patients as long as the tumor is small and non-mobile. Um, However, surgery is clearly indicated for patients who have had embolic events, uh, those who have had complications that are directly related to tumor mobility, uh, and those with highly mobile or large tumors, which is defined as tumors that are greater than or equal to one centimeter in size. And finally, uh, just to mention briefly about the prognosis of patients with uh, surgically resected papillary fibroblastoma, Dr. Kachru.
1: So they're pretty actually, um, the prognosis is
0: excellent and there's no reported case of recurrence to date. So I think we have time for one more case. Um, this is a 36 year old female who presents to you with shortness of breath uh, and uh, TEE evidence of a 2.8 by 1 centimeter mass in her left atrium. Um, her past history is significant for a mitral valve repair surgery and as, which was followed by a replacement about a few, uh, six months later down the line. Uh, she, uh, she wants to know how uh, uh, we should deal with this mass in her left atrium.
1: So this scenario is uh, pretty uncommon uh, to have a uh, intracardiac mass after two surgeries in the past. So uh, thrombus is really high on my differential. Um, And so interestingly to note though, during her first mitral valve repair surgery, the operative note uh, uh, stated that there were some nodules on the posterior leaflet and that were non-diagnostic on pathology. And so the valve was repaired at that time. And the second surgery, her valve repair failed because her um, leaflets were, became thickened and had restricted motion and therefore required a mitral valve replacement. And so here she is, um, and I'm thinking that she could have either a thrombus or a myxoma or any other um, malignant cardiac tumor, which would be low on my differential, but she is symptomatic. Um, So I would actually tell her that we could do further imaging, but we have a lot of good imaging from her TE. So I think, unfortunately, she's going to need a third time redo heart surgery.
0: Okay, so uh, just to reiterate, further imaging like we talked about earlier in our podcast uh, would include a cardiac MRI. Um, which would help uh, differentiate uh, a, a bit from a thrombus, a cardiac tumor from a thrombus, and would also probably help better characterize the tumor. Um, and but, but like you said, Dr. Catcher, this TEE was quite diagnostic, and it, when a TEE is diagnostic, an MRI is usually not necessary. Um, so uh, just to briefly summarize the steps of the surgery in this in this case and what did you end up finding? So as with all um, on-pump cases, it's
1: important to determine your arterial cannulation strategy. So in this case, uh, if the redo is difficult, um, you want to find an arterial cannulation site outside of the um, area of the sternotomy. But in this case, I think even central cannulation is fine. You want to plan for a, a resection Uh, that may be extensive since we couldn't identify how large uh, or where the mass was arising from Uh, so you want to plan for bicable cannulation for better visualization and in case the interatrial septum needs to be entered Um, and then our standard um, cardioplegia and um, Uh, In this case, we actually uh, performed this through a left atriotomy and excised the mass that we found to have a frozen section pathology to be angiosarcoma.
0: Oh, that's very interesting. Um, So could you tell us briefly about angiosarcomas, especially uh, cardiac angiosarcoma, since this is so rare? Yeah, this was actually a pretty tragic case for a very
1: young patient. Uh, So angiosarcomas are the most common primary cardiac sarcomas in patients. Um, They're generally asymptomatic until they are at an advanced stage, as you can tell that here she has some shortness of breath as um, there was some obstruction of this valve. Um, She did have a bioprosthetic valve in place um, rather than a mechanical valve that can actually have some thrombus associated with it. Um, Echocardiogram is uh, generally a diagnostic uh, modality that's initially employed, however, Uh, Like we stated before, cardiac MRIs are very good at identifying these tumors. They're generally heterogeneous and broad-based and frequently occupy most of the cardiac chamber by the time they're diagnosed. Um, uh, The treatment strategy is complete resection for all sarcomas, uh, even those outside of the uh, chest. Um, but uh, unfortunately it's a very aggressive tumor and uh, the recurrence rate is high and most patients die of their malignancies even if their tumor can be completely resected and their median survival is reported uh, anywhere from six months to 18 months.
0: So this concludes our discussion on cardiac tumors. Thank you so much, Dr. Katru, for sharing such interesting cases. And we really hope that our listeners can understand some of the basics on how to to deal with cardiac masses. Uh, Well, thank you,
1: Simran, for uh, allowing me on this podcast. And I hope every one of our listeners uh, will remember these interesting scenarios when they take their oral boards and hopefully pass.